I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 22nd of June, 2020, and it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Morning Combat. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. The gentleman on the other side of the screen is your other host. He is the... uh, Well, my partner in crime, the conspiracy to my theory, you know him from CBS Sports, among many other check-cashing opportunities, it is the one and only Brian Campbell. Brian, how was your Father's Day weekend? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic, Luke. Good times, great oldies, a lot of sun, a lot of children, great stuff. Good, You know, fired up as heck. Uh, You know, I had a long battle with this guy right here, but I've put him back together as I have my own feelings and mental health over the weekend so uh like Nas, all i need is one mic i'm ready to go a little change of the scenery back here channeling my spirit animal you want a champion because like her we both have a bone to pick with you luke and we're savages so let's do it let's get fired up what did i do to you i didn't do anything to you I don't know. I don't know. All right. I don't know. Uh, well, very good. A couple of housekeeping notes, as always. Thumbs up on the video. We appreciate that when you do. And hit that subscribe button, donks. It's free. What have you got to lose? Tons of content coming your way. And we also have to thank the people who make this show possible. Of course, Mocha Media and Showtime. If you would like to try Showtime, you can have a free trial. Very simply. Go to Showtime.com. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go pound sand. But if you do keep it, Thursday, you can check out Morning Combat, Strike Force Classics. BC and I, we speak to Scott Coker, Amara Ronaldo, watch some Strike Force fights, get some backstory and some analysis. BC, it's a good time. Yeah, that's one of the most underrated shows since Freaks and Geeks, Luke. Believe that. Uh, we're doing big things with the MK rocket ship. So please, don't be like Christy McAuliffe and the 86 crew. Get on board. Stay on uh, too soon too soon stay on board we're going to the stars all right click that subscribe all right it's free please don't make me drop more awkward 80s and 90s references all right and and, and like and like freak nick it's not going to be here forever so get it while the getting's good bc hey luke um sorry to interrupt here but you you were kind enough to ask about my father's day you know you're a young father you're an old man you got old balls but you're a young father did uh you and the and the and the the beautiful little girl uh enjoy your day did you call up old angry ass rob thomas and have a uh 3 a.m reunion what did what, what was it i saw my dad and my family for the first time since the pandemic started can you believe that it had been a long time since i'd seen them uh february for some november for others so uh my uh dad got to watch his only grandchild walk around uh, he hadn't seen hey. her since she could walk so it was a great day yesterday i appreciate you asking it really meant a now, lot so it was now, awesome uh, you know i'll follow that up with an out of line question abuela and Rob Thomas, any fireworks? Any sparks? 
You're a weirdo. The answer is no, and I'd like okay. to start the show, please. Okay, let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Very good. We go to topic number one, BC, and there's no better place to start than the show that was on Saturday night, UFC on Vegas 3 or UFC on ESPN 11. BC, let's go to you first on this one. Curtis Blades defeats Alexander Volkov uh, via unanimous decision in the main event. Some weird judging in there where some of the judges had it 48-47 for Volkov, but okay. We all know that Blades won. And in some parts, he looked good. Gassed a little bit kind of towards the middle third, or actually the, the, the final third of the fight from the middle, then a little bit on. But he got the job done. Still, at the post-fight press conference, BC, Dana White buried him. Said he looked stupid for saying all those things early on in the week. And those were things he said to you, by the way. That was where all the news came from. Said if you're gonna talk all that stuff about money, about ragdolling people, and then you fight that way, you look dumb. BC, does Dana White have a point? Yes. Under the grounds of the game that Dana White makes the rules, he does have a point. I interviewed uh, Curtis on uh, the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast last week, and you know, I I, I didn't necessarily stir up the, the ish or poke the bear, just served it up. Fighter pay, what do you think? Look, he went off. He went off a lot saying, uh, don't talk about wrong timing in the quarantine. The money is there. Either pay us or don't pay us, but stop lying to us. Tell us outright if you don't want to pay us. So Dana's got a point on this. If you are going to, as Dana said, talk shit, right? You do have to back it up since it's Dana's sandbox. And in Dana's sandbox, the real way to make a splash is to walk people down and knock them out. Now, look. Three-fifths of that fight, as you mentioned, was fantastic from Curtis Blades. He showed why at 29, he's becoming arguably the most complete heavyweight and has a very bright long-term future. The problem is, you know, he didn't really finish strong. He lost two of the five rounds on two of the judges' scorecards. He gassed a little bit. He told me in that same interview, if I'm 50-50 with a guy in the feet, but I know I can dominate him on the ground, why am I going to take that chance? Why am I going to get hit in the face and play into his strengths? I'm not here to say, like, don't wrestle, entertain us. But that's what Dana's here to say. And you have the most leverage in, this, in these situations, Luke, after a big win. It's been some of the criticism that people have given Masvidal and others that are saying, like, the stuff you're saying, the stance you're taking is great. But when it doesn't come immediately after a giant win where you have leverage in that moment, it doesn't mean much. Blades should have, in some ways, been talking this-ish after the win. Maybe after a little bit more of an impressive win to sort of land the big boom. Because here's what he's trying to do, Luke. You could say that this plan is crazy, or you could say it might happen. He believes Dice, Stipe, 3 in August, both guys retire. And he believes that if he defeated Volkov, which he did he'd be getting a vacant title shot against Francis Ngannou coming up later this year in December. Here's the problem, though. You lost twice to Ngannou, so you need the leverage to get into a third fight. Now, not only did you not achieve that leverage by getting a knockout, you've also pissed off the boss and given him a reason to keep you out of that fight. So under the rules of how UFC politics work, this was a failure of a weekend for Curtis Blades. But put that aside for a second for three rounds. He looked absolutely fantastic. He is a legitimate heavyweight title contender. Shout out to him. But yes, you lost the Dana game. I, I think there's a, a number of points there you made I would not disagree with at all. So let me just add two more to what you already laid out there. I wouldn't call it a failure of a weekend, but you're right. I mean, if you've, and you mentioned he lost to Francis Ngannou. That's true. He didn't just lose. He got stopped twice. And then the second time in the rematch, even quicker than the first time. So... 
trying to leapfrog him or even just be on the same place that he's in, it's going to be really, really difficult. You want to do that, you got to go out there and put your stamp on a guy irrespective of the pay comments. And as you noted, you put the pay comments on top and you just boxed yourself in in a way where it's going to be hard to get out of that. Now, I will say this. Number one, I like how he is kind of leaning into the fact that sometimes people boo him when he wrestles. He sort of said, I'm the heel. He was kind of laying it all out there in a very naked and obvious way. But if he can find a a more interesting way to continue this, I don't think that's the worst way to market himself. Like, F you, I'm going to fight in a way to directly piss off the fans. Fitch never did that. He was sort of non-committal about whether it upset them or not, rather than I like angering you. So that could be something he could use to his, his benefit. The other thing I think I would say is, in Curtis Blades' defense, and again, if you got to play the game smart as you can, it's worth knowing here and, and, and realizing Volkov is starting to be the guy who's hard to look good against, right? Because Derek Lewis got a win against him, but it was a Hail Mary after getting tuned up, basically, for the better part of three rounds. And you look at the Verdum fight. Now, Verdum lost that one, but he was kind of winning. But it just it's hard to like pass his guard. It's hard to like land a big shot on the ground and pound. And even when you tag him on the feet, he doesn't really go away. He's really, really hard at this stage to do a whole lot with. And so I think what you saw was he's got good survival instincts. He's tricky from underneath in a surprising kind of way, even though he doesn't have a dynamic guard. And obviously on the feet, he's a force to be reckoned with. And so that all of that combined makes him hard to put away. Dynamic late, again, the Lewis fight notwithstanding. He can just be hard to look good against whether he wins or he loses. So I mean, that's fair. It was, it was a, it was a, I'll, I'll just end on this, BC. It was a confluence of events where, yes, yes did Curtis Blades play the game as best he could have? Probably not. Are there pieces going forward that you could see maybe he could surf on? Yes. And let's understand, he fought a guy that even when you beat him, it's just hard to look really super dominant against. Yeah, I mean, look, let's give Volkov his due. That fight looked like he was underwater for three rounds, and he turned it around. He's six seven. he's thick, and he may be Russian, but he's certainly not in a hurry there, Luke. So we saw some exposures with Blades <laughs> committing to that style of trying to ragdoll him, and then, you know, you saw him afterwards. He couldn't even form a sentence in the post-fight interview. He was so fatigued. Okay, credit to him that he didn't have a debacle, right? He didn't get screwed on the cards because he gave up the last three rounds. But back to Blades' comment about if I'm 50-50 on the feet, I'm not going to go after a guy. Go back and watch those first three rounds, Luke. He was like 80-20 on the feet against Volkov. He was absolutely lighting him up, and he had really established his dominant takedown ability to set up even more strikes. Again, under the Dana White rules of how you impress the boss, this maybe could have and should have been an opportunity where... I think he could have stopped Volkov. Yeah, he'd have to open himself up to eat some stiff jabs, counter rights, the kicks. I'm not in there taking the, the shots. I understand that in some ways you can argue the safest thing to do against a guy you can't look good against is survive in advance because during the quarantine and in general, Luke, you know, the quickest path to a title shot is availability in the UFC. Be in shape, be by that phone, be willing to go whenever they call. But... At the same time, dude, you did talk ish, and you got to come back with the bang. Whether you care about Dana's rules or not, you do. I feel like he could have stopped Volkov at the end of the day, Luke. We went back and, and, and saw what he did to, to Verdum and what he did to JDS ahead of this fight. I think he could have done it. Yeah, uh, there's certainly a case where you, you, you probably should have, because the last thing I'll say is going back to those Francis and Ganu pairs of losses. One was his UFC debut. And it, okay, fine. You know, that's a tough way to make your debut. 
But then the rematch in China, it just went even worse for him. And so you think to yourself, how does Curtis Blades get ahead here? What what can he do to really, you know, uh, stay at the forefront of this division? Okay, winning will put you there, obviously. But in the minds of fans where you're like, we need to see what else he can do here. You have to rein, not reinvent yourself. You have to reframe how the fans think about you. You have to tell them. You have to give them a reason to go, whoa, okay, so this is... This is new. This is exciting. This is different. This is fun. I need to see how this can be used in other different con- uh, contexts, or maybe the same context. Redux. As long as, J- or excuse me, as long as Francis is in front of him, he's in a tough spot, and you can't play the Rich Frank- Franklin card, where he was a really big middleweight who could go to light heavyweight to get some big fights. The Chuck Liddell fight, chief among them. He can't really play that. He's a huge heavyweight. He's kind of stuck where he is. So winning is going to be great as long as you win. It will keep you at the top of that division. It did a long time for John Fitch as a welterweight. But then when you start to slip, dude, they will hammer you. They will hammer you. So uh, making a big statement, if you're going to make big statements in the press, is kind of key. Yeah, and Dana will screw him. If that opportunity for a vacant title comes up, you know Dana's going to screw him. Luke, very quickly, gun to your head, could that version of Curtis Blades, or let's say the version that comes after, right? He said openly, I need better cardio for five rounds. Could that version defeat Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, Francis Ngannou in a third fight in your eyes? I don't know about DC. It it doesn't really matter because he's probably not going to be around no matter what, right? Do I think he can beat Stipe? Yes. I don't know if I would favor him, but I would take his shot at I would I would take his chances at doing so very realistically. At beating Francis, I mean you lose to a guy twice and quicker the second time, it's hard to say yes, but there there is this part of me about Francis and his trainers tell me it's come a long way. We just haven't seen it cuz he keeps knocking dudes out in 5 yeah. seconds. How good is his wrestling in cardio since the Stipe fight? How, how much has Francis improved? I don't know if Curtis will be the guy to test that, but Curtis has some of the abilities you would think if he can survive early that can test that. It's just hard to say. I don't yeah, really and he, know. And let's not forget, he had success against Francis in that first fight, which was his UFC debut, meaning Curtis Blades. He was much more raw. Second fight, I mean, it is what it is. He got, he got sent to hell. Let's roll on because Jay, very upset in my ears, okay? All right, very well, this upset. is, to me, the biggest story coming out of the, the, the weekend. Uh, the, well, it could be the co-main event, which we'll talk about in a second. I want to make sure we give Josh Emmett his due, and we will. But first things first, you had Austin Hubbard. I believe this was the opening fight on the car, taking on Max uh, Roshkoff. Uh, his name is spelled weird, but I believe that's how you pronounce it. A, a great wrestler out of NC State. Five uh, wins in his career. Trains with the very, very talented and highly decorated Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor, undefeated MMA competitor as well, in Robert Drysdale. So here's what happens. Uh, at the end of his, the second round, and this is not the worst beating I've ever seen, but BC, I think you'd probably agree, at the end of the second, that whole five-minute frame, he was getting tuned up. Okay, so he goes back to his corner and he is telling his corner multiple times. I think it's like nine or ten times. He says, I want out. Now, Robert Drysdale eventually gets on social media and says, well, okay, at the end, I actually did say to call it. But you hear Roshkoff over and over and over say, I want out. And Drysdale is basically ignoring it, trying to cajole him back into it. Eventually, an inspector alerts the, or maybe the ringside physician alerts the referee. The referee goes to Roshkoff, says, do you want out? He says, yes. They wave it immediately. So that's how it went down. Okay, BC, one more time. Lead us in. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. What do you uh, make of the cornering controversy here? There's a lot of uh, wrinkles to this specific situation that I believe is much different than the Thomas Gifford situation when he got sent back out to get slaughtered or when, you know, Rocky Pennington got forced into a fifth round against Amanda Nunes. You do have to understand the full concept here. Uh, Roscoff, or if I'm butchering that, I'm sorry, showed you in the first round that, like, at 5-0, he has, like, the goods. He has long-term potential, maybe before this type of exit, to really be a great fighter. I mean, he looked friggin' fantastic against a guy who had a lot more experience than him. He got the fight on 10 days notice. You heard Dana after the fight saying the manager was all over Dana saying, look, this guy could be like the future. So this was a major opportunity to really get noticed. We can argue all we want whether he should have been in there given the lack of experience. Yes, we can argue all we want on the idea that if a fighter says he's done, he's done. And look, by like the fifth or sixth time Roscoff said he's done, the fight's over. End it. I do to a small degree, sympathize with the coach because even though the second round was one-sided, even though Roscoff was getting lit up with big shots, it didn't necessarily look like, you know, if he went out for a third round, he was gonna he was gonna perish, right? And you you did understand the coach saying, "Look, go out there and lay on him, take him down. You're the better wrestler. Steal the decision here." Given the circumstance of this fight, uh, you can argue. Maybe Pennington's circumstance was greater because it could be the only time she gets a title shot. No, Pennington was beaten up and destroyed. In this case, I'm not against the coach pushing back a little and saying, look, you fought so hard to get to this point. This is your opportunity. You're a better fighter than Austin Hubbard in terms of just pure skill. I believe all of that. Yes, it went too far by the fifth or sixth, no. But I think in general, these situations can be different, so we can't lump them together. Is there a larger conversation about the pay structure in UFC that the win bonus uh, plays a lot into the trainers getting more money? And sometimes people believe you know, coaches are pushing their fighters back out there for the freak chance that they get it, they rally for a big win, and then the coach essentially doubles his purse. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation to have on that as well. I do think in this instance, it wasn't really all that bad until the fourth, fifth, sixth plea. And then, like, you just got to wave the fight off. The guy doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be there. And, Luke, we give Dana a lot of crap. We try to praise him when it's, when it's right. Dana White's comments after the fight in the post-fight press conference were dead on, top to bottom. He gets it. He understands it. If you don't want to be in there, get out. No one should ever be ashamed in any circumstance for quitting, okay? In boxing, we have way too much of this macho, macho culture where if you can get to that 12th round and go the distance, you have earned something. No, you've earned a beating. You've earned taking off time at the end of your career. You didn't earn anything, okay? I like, actually love, that on MMA, you know, you can get yourself into a choke and tap out. You can quit with dignity, I, I have no problem with the quit. Really, it's the coach on the hot seat, and I say up to a certain degree, I'm not going to sack. I'm not going to kill him. Yeah, I, I I heard Dana White's comments, and I echo your praise of them. I, I had the exact same experience myself. I got out of the Marine Corps, and I was looking for a challenge, and I went to a pretty good MMA gym, and I wanted to see what I was made of, and I found out I'm probably better than the average bear, but I'm not 
I'm not like those guys, and it was a it was a it was eye opening. I don't know how many people have ever tried to figure out who they really are when you get physically tested by people who you can tell they are built for this. And I was not that guy, and I know I'm not that guy. So to me, I always looked at training as a way to stay in shape, as a way to maybe defend myself if the situation ever came to it. But I knew pretty quickly I met who the Billy badasses were, and I knew that wasn't me. So when Dana White said that, I completely understand, and I do think you raise a very fair point about the coach pushing back a little bit you notice that the, he said that I knew he wasn't hurt I, I bet he was frustrated um, I had people who have trained with Roshkoff reach out to me over the weekend and tell me he has uh, a, a bit of this sort of um, element where he does get frustrated sometimes when things don't go his way so I suspect that Robert Drysdale was really sort of keying in on that but Robert Drysdale's defense of his actions was what really alarmed me he had said that, you know, to the MMA media, you know, if you've, uh, he goes, I don't lecture people about quantum physics because it's not a thing that I know. I know fighting. Okay, fair enough. Robert's win, for example, over Marcelo Garcia at ADCC, it's one of the most spectacular combat sports wins I've ever seen. And obviously he had a decorated career to a degree uh, in MMA. But the reality is this. I would challenge Robert Drysdale and I would say, Robert, how much direct training by formal institutions, whether those be training courses or an athletic commission, have you had in terms of the responsibilities and roles of cornering? I don't mean just on-the-job training. I mean formal training, and I bring that up for a reason, BC. I do not think Robert Drysdale is a bad person. I think he's a very smart guy, and I think, and I know he cares very deeply for Max Roshkoff, but I found out something over the weekend. I did some digging. You cannot find language either with the ABC or any formal institution in combat sports about best practices around cornering. You can find language about what their potential role is and where they have to be, like how many corners can you have for a title fight versus non, how many get to be in the cage between rounds, can you throw a towel or not, right? There's things like that, but they don't actually tell you how to do the job correctly and what you consistently see, and this is a thing I, I, I learned from, the, from speaking to commissioners over the weekend, the fighters who become cornermen, they consistently say, uh, oh, I know what I'm doing, but they, A, never had formal training, and B, uh, in terms of being a corner, and B, as a consequence, they fail to realize that part of what you're doing is being a health advocate. Now, I grant, BC, it's complicated because you're putting ice on a guy, you're cooling him off between rounds, you're giving him strategy, and then you're sending him back out there to fight. Right? I mean, how can you be a guy's health advocate if you're doing that? Because at some point, you have to be aware that you cannot cajole them and, and Tony Robbins them into victory. At some point, the fight is over, and now what you have to assess is their long-term health, their long-term viability, and what the realistic chances are here. And I bring this up, BC. Look at what Roshkoff did. He goes back to the seat. His head is facing his face. Excuse me. He's looking down at the mat. He does not have an alert body. There are times when a coach can say to you, hey, man, fire up. Do what you're supposed to do here. Get out there, and it can motivate someone, but not when they have body language like that. And he says, I was trying to like, you know, tell him to be his best, and, and, and I would want a coach to do that. Dude, if he is telling you nine or ten times to call it and he's looking at the mat, he is no longer listening to you. Your speech is not working, and you must have recognition about that. And you note it, and I would agree. Like, Tony Ferguson heading into the fifth round was taking a way worse beating. But Tony Ferguson is in a super elite lightweight. 
Uh, here you had a guy with 15 fights at Austin Hubbard against a guy with five. And by the way, Austin Hubbard had to fight Davi Hamosh and other killers when he first got to the UFC. So to me, it's like, do I know fighting like Robert Drysdale? No, I do not. But for 15 years, I've been listening to good boxing corners and commission officials tell me what good cornering is, and it's paying attention to body language. It's understanding your fighter's responses. If the first thing he does is when he gets asked by the referee, are you done, you say yes, he wasn't listening to you. You've got to have recognition for this because if you don't, even though the beating in the second round BC was admittedly not the worst beating I've ever seen, if you're not up here, dude, that, that third round was going to it was going to be very bad for him. Yeah, and Roscoff was gassed out. Obviously, he was mentally defeated that he didn't he wasn't able to sustain the success he had the first time. And look, the way that he sat dejectedly in the cage afterwards, I think sourced short of doubles down on what you said that he could be somebody mentally who gets very hard on himself and can can pull out of a fight so look it's it's like there uh, you know it's, it's like a scale here it's like i do understand the coach wanting to rattle that beast out of him because he had a chance to win a very important fight again rocky pennington round five down four nothing did not have a chance to submit or knock out amanda amanda nunes it just was what it was in that spot but yeah there are limits to the amount of no's you can ask for at that point, it didn't look like he was looking out for his fighter's best health interest. Luke, Jay wants me to move on, but do you think there's anything to the, the follow-up sort of um, debate on Twitter that UFC matchmaking purposely matches younger guys with great potential way too hard too early as a way to draw loyalty out of them because once they lose, they have no leverage and they're always fighting to get back up the ladder? That seems highly conspiratorial. If you listen to Dana White, I mean, I'm not saying that never happens or it's never happened, but if you listen to Dana White, and I believe this, his, his manager, who's Brian Butler, who's one of the more successful MMA managers, apparently was always hitting up Sean Shelby to say to this guy, hey, look, we, we have a new kid, and he might be the next big thing. And as you mentioned, in that first round, and even parts of the second to a degree, you could tell he's got some serious skills to be reckoned with if he can figure out the other parts of, of the competitive challenge. Uh, and so they were probably saying, hey, let's just get him out there as quick as we can. You don't make a lot of money on the regional scene, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just think in the end, people don't realize how good Austin Hubbard was because he had an 11-4 record coming in here. But if you look at the guys he had lost to in the UFC, they were absolute savages, and he had performed quite ably against them. He had had way more experience, and he had come from LFA. I just think, you know, listen, they're just trying to make – the. the People believe that their guy is John Jones. There ain't that many John Joneses, man. There ain't that many guys with a handful of fights that can come in there and beat Andre Guzmao. It just doesn't really exist. So I, mean, I understand the pressure, but... Yeah, it's not early UFC days when you can go in there, you know, with no pro fights and just, but you have a background in one specific martial art and try to mix it up. I would like to see whether it's UFC officially adopting their own minor leagues and they kind of kind of have with the Dana White contender series and obviously they're very close with LFA which in some ways is a feeder league but you w I would like to see less of you know people even like the M&M guy Chase Hooper get getting rushed in there against that quality of opponent at 19 when it's really not worth it all right we move on now to point number three <laughs> Jesus, I, I got to tell you, this is one of the most, um, what an amazing fight. To me, a fight of the year contender easily. So Josh Emmett in your co-main event at 145 pounds, he eventually stops Shane Burgos. I think it was the third round. 
Wow, dude, what an unbelievable performance, BC. I was so blown away. So the question is, now after he wins, where does Burgos fit into the title picture? Or so the, the picture at 145. So if you look at the rankings, BC, he was at eight or nine. You mean Emmett? The f- you mean Emmett? Emmett. Sorry, what did I say? I said somebody else? Sorry. Josh Emmett. Burgos. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I apologize. Josh Emmett. If you look at the rankings, again, prior to the fight, Emmett was sitting at around eight or nine, uh, which is probably fair given what he had accomplished and everything else. But I just think there's some realities about Josh Emmett that people need to wake up to. I think what he'll get out of the win is somewhere in or just outside top five. It depends how a couple other things shake out which means he's at worst maybe two more wins away from a title shot, maybe even one. But the reality about Josh Emmett that folks really need to wake up to is he is a little bit older uh, than some of the other sort of talents out there at 145 pounds. But with that has come a lot of wisdom. His game has transformed over the years because he always had good wrestling, which folks forget about. And he always had pretty decent movement, great cardio. He can go the distance. And he had that setback against Jeremy Stevens. But folks forget he was winning that Jeremy Stevens fight before a controversial knee and, and then everything else that happened afterwards. Beyond that, he is a Mack truck of a power puncher. He has a modern game. He doesn't rattle the media cage, BC. But Josh Emmett is easily perhaps... No, I'm just going to say it. He's the most underrated guy at 145 pounds. Just yeah, matter he of fact. Co- he did come after the media a bit in his post-fight interview, which I you know I give him the grounds to do it because he felt he was counted out so much. Uh, look, like to echo what you said absolutely badass fight and why i loved it even more than your average sort of brawl where you're like fight of the year contender is that it it really wasn't a brawl it was a technical masterpiece it just so happened that they loaded up with savage intent on every single punch and really both poured out the jug you know this was a championship level opportunity for each of them to go from the the contenders to the elite title contenders and man did both bite down and go for it. You got to give Burgos all the credit, even if Dana White butchered his name and called him Burtos for the entire post-fight press conference. Uh, Emmett kind of is a featherweight Shane Carwin, you know, like more skilled, but he's got that intimidating vibe and can load up and land the big power shots. He also might have the best tats in UFC. And look, that's saying something. There's a lot of really bad tats in UFC. I'd take that package of tats if I wasn't fear of needles, uh, maybe over anyone else. But look, about the full, well-rounded game. Yeah, it's his time. It's his time. It's a, it's a little bit, I want to say disappointing, but it's not, that the featherweight division is suddenly so friggin' loaded. You're not only going to get Max Volkanovsky too, but it's like, what do we do with Ortega, Zabit, uh, you know, Korean Zombie. I mean, uh, you know, on and on. There's Yair Rodriguez. There's a few other killers in there. He certainly enters that group with this win. I'd agree with you that it's probably a win or two more before he would get that title shot. But this is where I stop and say, guys are just wired differently, right? Um, to, to, to have the damage that he took to his left knee in the first round, the first minute of that fight. And look, I, I didn't see afterwards. Was it a torn ACL? Was it just something got stretched out? I, I don't know. But to be able to block that out, still use that leg, be effective the rest of the way, be so mentally tough, stay in his game plan while he was getting lit up at times against a much longer fighter with a very accurate boxing game, this was a hella impressive performance from Josh Emmett. This was a, hey, if you, you thought of him, you better know him now because he has evolved into something very serious. He's a title threat against anyone, Luke, and he has that bite-down toughness that seems to be just next level from the regular group. Burgos, 
kind of showed you the same thing in defeat. He's still got you know a, a lot a high ceiling on where he can go too. But yes, I want to kind of get Josh Emmett fast tracked into a giant fight next to make a statement because he's ready in every single appearance, Luke. Knowing that his window is a little bit smaller than the others, and knowing that he kind of went through hell in the aftermath of that loss to Stevens that he's going for it. He's going to go for the damn title. And you know, Dana loves that. You know, the fans love it. And I want to see how far he can go with that, with that menacing style, because uh, shout out to his well-roundedness. That's how he got here. But his meal ticket is to walk you down and knock you the hell out. And it's going to be fun to see him against the other elites. I mean, no one appreciates someone daring to be great more than UBC, which is exactly what he's doing. And to be honest, sometimes when the fighters call out the media, I'm always like, I just sort of roll my eyes. I did not roll my eyes at this one because I knew what he was talking about. First of all, disclosure, I get him as right as I get him wrong. I'm 50-50 on all these. But I did think Josh Emmett was going to win. Not that I think against Shane Burgos, but I just sort of have been watching what, what Josh Emmett is up to. The fact that he has the power punching, the chin, as you saw, even after all the damage he's taken from the Jeremy Stevens, I won't call it debacle, but calamity is sort of in, in its own in its own right. And then all the other pieces of fainting in and out movement that he's got, dude, he's got one of the best games at 145 pounds. And I just thought, man, he's going to be a hard guy to deal with. Plus, you knew from like the Michael Johnson and the Ricardo Lamas fight that, dude, I mean, he can thump. Now you see yet more evidence of that. So I always thought he would do it. But here's what I, I mean, I mean about the chip on his shoulder. He was right to note that he's been looked over, because he has, not just by the media, but the media sort of as a proxy for the larger fan base. I don't think a lot of them have woken up to that reality either. So the media and the fans are guilty together in this, I think. And if you can take a chip on your shoulder and convert it into competitive fire, if you can take it and make it useful for you, which is what he appears to be doing, knowing his, as you indicated, his window is not as big. He's not 25 years old. He's not Sean O'Malley. But he's underrated, and he would like to be recognized. Dude, he is going to make you remember his name. He did the thing. Granted, he had a bit of a dance partner that kind of made it you know, uh, exciting as well, and Shane Burgos. But he did the thing we were talking about Curtis Blades maybe should have done, right? He actually went out and did it. So when he calls out the media for not giving him some love after the things he's been through and after the things he's also accomplished, I, I, I don't have any issue with it at all. Luke, here's what's interesting. Uh, I don't know what he made or what both of these guys made for this fight. I just didn't check. Did you happen to check what they were disclosed for pay? Not yet. Okay. I'm sure it's underwhelming in a lot of ways. They were the co-main event. Everybody knew coming in that this was going to be the firecracker. This was going to be the fight that, that would win the weekend. Um, if we can't fix the pay structure outright, and if, if even if you don't love the idea that you can double your salary with a win and that you can get a bonus, I'd almost think one change, Luke, is make that fight of the night bonus like a lot of money. Like that, I think, would be a, a, a little change to things that everybody would love because we know Dana and company and the ghost of Joe Silva, and I'm sure you've probably even got a bad story of him violating your human rights. They want knockouts. They want you to be a savage. So instead of a $50,000 savage bonus to an already pretty low salary for a you know co-main event opportunity, uh, why don't we just like triple or quadruple that? Because that's what UFC wants in the end. That's what fans want in the end. I know that style isn't for everybody. That's why if you've got a Curtis Blade style, you may just go up the ladder and see if you can win the championship, and that's how you get paid. But for these other guys to see Shane Burgos fight the way he did and knowing he's only got the, the show money plus a bonus, um, I'd like to see him get like a $400,000 bonus, Luke. I'm not the one signing checks, but maybe if we just put go all in on that, 
maybe everyone else can win a little bit more because there are savages. There are fighters out there like Joanna who will pour out the entire jug at any time. And I think above all, those are the people that deserve the type of payment even more, Luke, in an already broken payment structure. Uh, I would agree. I mean, maybe it does or it doesn't incentivize fighters to fight in that way. But uh, to your point, at least it would reward the ones who did. Uh, I like I like the idea. It's pretty cool. All right, so let's move on now to the weekend. Not so much ahead, but the weeks ahead. We'll come to the weekend ahead in just a moment. But first, let's talk Fight Island, BC. So we had a bunch of announcements related to this. There's so many different angles to get to. The place I'd like to start on this is... Um, the middleweight fight that was announced, which is one of the headlining fights for one of the fight night cards, so the ones subsequently following 251. Darren Till officially back in action against Robert Whitaker. BC, what is on the line for these two? Uh, you know, potentially a rocket ship to the, to, a, to the title after we sort out the Adesanya Paulo Costa situation. I mean, it's that big of a fight, and it does echo... Kind of what we love about the UFC, that Robert Whitaker could lose his championship by knockout. He could go through some very personal sort of uh, hurdles to get back into a situation where he feels comfortable fighting. And, oh, no, there's no get well fight. There's no, you know, here's a veteran cowboy Cerrone type to, to dust you back up. It's You're going in there against Darren Till. And, you know, with high risk does come high reward. I mean, if Robert Whitaker knocks him out... He's right back at the doorstep of a title opportunity. It is a bad-ass fight in a bad-ass summer of fights. Thank you, UFC, for basically, sorry, I burped right there, for basically putting the quarantine in a Americana or, or going north-south on them and, and no dental dam, just going for it, right? Just friggin' going for it. Um, this is, I mean, look, we're going to talk about Poirier and friggin' Hooker. We're, I mean, these fights are ridiculously good. I love me some Till Whitaker. It's going to be bananas. Till has a chance in that fight to prove to you that he can fulfill all the expectations that, that UFC had for him from the very beginning, Luke. S sign me up. This is going to be a great summer. All the other sports, they can't figure it out. Sometimes for good reasons, but uh, UFC still, they're bringing the big stick and they're banging, Luke. Well, I mean, the, when Daniel brags about how they have figured it out and the other sports haven't, yes, but it's sort of like saying, I got my bicycle to work and you haven't figured out how to build a car yet. I mean, one task is, is difficult, very difficult. The other task is insanely difficult. So they're not equivalent tasks, but okay, fair enough. They've got the machine operating and running in a way that their other combat sports peers certainly couldn't do, and I give them credit for that. As it relates to Till versus Whitaker, BC, I, I, I don't know how you could... This fight is amazing. It's really amazing because we have this situation with Robert Whitaker where he not only lost his last fight, he got stopped, lost his title, he had a bunch of time off due to injuries. Then the fight he was supposed to be in fell through for a lot of different reasons, but we find out later that it was predominantly related to just burnout, basically. And here he is saying he's on the other side of this and he's ready to get back to who he once was. I'm very curious to see what that looks like because I, I, I remember when Adesanya beat Whitaker. I thought he would, not, not the way he did. But I, I also said to myself, this cannot and, and certainly will not be the last two, uh, time these two face off so does he get right back on the horse and get another fight because you have to imagine if dana wants to do a full crowd which you can probably do in new zealand we'll see how things go you could do a rematch between adesanya and whitaker there provided he gets past costa that would be a huge fight down there and it wouldn't interfere with pay-per-view here in terms of how the timing of the card might work so that would be huge 
On the other side, you talk to English media, they'll tell you Darren Till is the heir to Michael Bisping's throne. And what I mean by that is, who is the fighter coming out of England now that can be what Michael Bisping was, which is... Uh, obviously, he won the title, but the most important celebrated MMA fighter uh, of his era who most uh, media would know or uh, MMA fans would know. Who's the who's the standard bearer for the flag? Darren Till is supposed to be that guy, and he obviously had his stumbles. Now, he rebounded against Kelvin Gastelum, and that was huge, but he's got to build on this. And if he can, dude, look out. The sky is the limit for that. We've talked about it on the show. In boxing, dude, the UK is the king of boxing right now on multiple levels. Whether it's the size of the crowds in the arena, whether it's the showmanship, whether it's the number of good athletes, whether it's belts across weight classes, they are the reigning kings of boxing. And if Darren Till can tap into that enthusiasm on the MMA side, I'm telling you, I'm not saying he'll do everything that Michael Bisping did, but he's got an opportunity to build on a place and time where British boxing is maybe as hot as it's ever been. So there's a combat sports fever, and he can be the standard bearer for his era for MMA and and really do something very special as a talent and as a box office draw. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Luke. And, and you know, I, I did do a little bit, yay, the UFC right there, because I mean it from the standpoint of how loaded this summer is and DC, Stipe, sorry, three, a big part of that. But we do have to talk about, look, we call it like it is. We praise you. We'll, we'll tear you down, too. Did you see that Fight Island promo they ran over the weekend? It which was, was weird. Like, it kind of looked like a like one day Dana White's probably going to run for president or, or governor of Nevada or something. It kind of looked like a, a rally video for to, to gain momentum. Um, I think people rightfully had issues with this. The first 45 seconds to a minute of the video is about how everyone ain't doing anything and all the things were stacked against Dana, but he carried the flag up the hill. And again, in some ways he did, but that was an old battle. The, that was the three-month-ago battle. Can we put this back on the road? You won that. All right, that already happened. Remember Jacksonville? We already, Tai Chi Palace, we already there. Now we're sort of keeping that narrative alive for Fight Island, and we're actually showing fighters standing on the edge of an island looking out at the water. I'm sorry, Fight Island ain't a real island. We've already been through this. It's going to be in an arena. Dana made fun of us for believing Dana. You all right? We thought that by listening to you. This is your fault. But um, <laughs> I, I do agree that uh, if you're of the belief that UFC has worked too hard for its own advantageous reasons to keep Dana and the UFC brand as the face of, of the whole promotion rather than individual fighters, although obviously there's been times where McGregor or Rousey or whomever has has catapulted above the, the marquee, um, this is a great example of that, right? That's how they keep the fighters down and stiff-armed and keep them in line because Dana is always the draw. And watch that video. The draw ain't Gilbert Burns versus Kamaru Usman. I'll tell you that much. The draw is that that maverick, Dana White, for better or worse. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it was so weird. It's because if you look at the slate of fights, we mentioned Till versus uh, Whitaker which is just a great fight. But if you look at these cards, man, up and down, there are some amazing, amazing bouts. 251 completely stacked. And yeah, there's some filler in there. But okay, you know, 
I mean, if they're not doing it better than anyone, who is? I, I don't know. So uh, I'm not here to complain about Fight Island other than it was silly and whatnot. But the promo, it was like, dude, you can just tell, man. Dana, Dana says like to the media, I don't care what you think. You clearly care. It clearly bothers him. It clearly is a thing that really gets under his skin. It's why certain uh, media members get blackballed. It's why they make promos like this. And, of course, it wasn't just the media that he was uh, up against. It was you know, a series of other forces. Um, but you're right. I mean, whatever the, the, the merits of the battle on April 18th, those weren't the battles fought in early May, and they're certainly not the battles being fought now. BC, Matt Frivola got removed from the card on uh, before Saturday, and we're not even talking about it. And the whole thing was related to COVID because they've got, it seems like, now, you know, we never know for 100%, but it seems like they've got, as we said last week, really good safety protocol in place. So yeah, no, one's, seemed like no unnecess- one's hammering them for it. It seemed like an unnecessary victory lap. That's really what it seemed like. Yeah. But uh, look, at the, at the core, we're not having something to talk about on this show unless Dana was that proactive and aggressive and crazy. And some of it is his nature. Some of it is financial. You better believe that. But here we are, and I am glad we are here. I'll, okay, I'll deal with a freaking promo video, all right? I'll deal all right. with it, all right? Very good. I all mean, right. it's not going to get yeah. me to watch or not watch. We're going to be there no matter what. If Jay keeps chirping at me, by the way, I'm going to bring Uriah Hall on this show, and we'll and we'll we'll get him his, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, it's going to be right. justice served via spinning back kick. Okay? Can I get to the fifth point, please? All right. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Fifth Am and I final point. Sorry, you have, you have other jobs. Go for it. Fifth and final point next week. Uh, well, I should say not even next week at this point. Uh, it's Monday now. So Saturday is going to be UFC on Vegas 4 or whatever the hell the nomenclature is. But all you have to know is that main event, ladies and gentlemen, is damn sensational. Dustin Poirier is back for the first time since his loss to Habib Nurmagomedov back in Abu Dhabi, speaking of which. Uh, he is taking on Dan the uh, Hangman Hooker. Okay, BC. What is at stake for the winner between Poirier and Hooker? This is a badass fight in the most baddest ass division in the history of MMA at one time. Seriously, look it up. Luke, this summer is friggin' loaded. There's no fight this summer that means more than DC and Stipe. But this is the best fight of the entire summer. I seriously mean that. Fighter versus fighter, I defy you to find one that is better. I can't freaking wait for this. This uh, Look, if you not only win this fight, you're in that upper core of, a, again, historically deep and loaded division with Habib on top, with Justin Gaethje knocking on the door, with Connor lingering, with a few other killers rightfully in need of a major fight. But if you win this fight spectacularly, you, you might get on that rocket ship. You might get something out of this world massive as your reward. This is a big boy fight. This is uh, as good as Dan Hooker has looked, as much as we've liked him bounce back from that loss to Barbosa. Everything he's done as of late has been golden. Uh, this is the deep end of the pool. And, you know, could he catch Poirier on the wrong night, on the wrong time in his career? Long layoff, coming off a of surgery, coming off a of one-sided loss. Uh, yeah, you're getting plus money on Dan Hooker. I, you know, I'm not a big betting guy, but this this is this might be the right angle to go. This might be the right time to fight D- Dustin Poirier. But either way, I love how they match up their striking styles. I love everything about this. If you win, you're you're going up. If you win big, 
You might parachute in, Luke. I'm not saying you're going to get Habib next or whatever, but you may you may push the others aside. Uh, the winner of this certainly isn't going to be demanding Connor money. I don't know when and if Connor's ever going to fight again. You might be able to slide right in and get a massive opportunity. Uh, is there anything when you look at the the sort of X's and O's of it that has you leaning either way right now, Luke? I have to think more about it, but it it's. What makes this fight so great, as you indicated, are the stakes, are sort of the sort of like the two guys who are quiet except when they're not and when they're not look out kind of vibe and the contrast in styles because you have a guy who can do it all but is a little bit more kickboxing based in Dan Hooker. You got a guy who can do it all but is a little bit more boxing based, obviously Southpaw as well in Dustin Poirier. Poirier, pound for pound, might be one of the harder hitters at 155 pounds. Hooker, on the other hand, uh, very quick, makes snappy decisions, throws a lot of uh, you know uh, the, the knee coming up the middle, so sort of unorthodox things that a lot of other guys don't throw. And so for those reasons, you're like, wow, man, this is just a hell of a fight. Plus, both guys have shown a tremendous chin at 155. Now, 145, when they were both badly depleted, not so much. You move them up a weight class, and they're hard to put away when, even when you land on them. So there's just, I mean, an enormous amount here to like. The last thing I'd say about this, BC, it's also worth mentioning, Dustin Poirier has never lost two in a row, ever. It's never happened. So if you lose two in a row... I'm not saying it's the end of your career, of course, but it would certainly mark something that's never happened. He has been defined not merely by some of the good fights that he has been in or some of the great fighters he's defeated. He has also been a function of how much do I bounce back from adversity? And the answer is routinely quite well. The last time he had a loss prior to the Nurmagomedov fight was the Michael Johnson fight. And after the Michael Johnson fight, he went on the best win streak of his career, and that's where he, in fact, claimed the interim title. Dan Hooker is looking to build into something like that, having first defeated Paul Felder, and now if you can get the Dustin Poirier scalp, dude, you are going to be on that shortlist. And again, we go back to it. New Zealand might be a place where they can have full-on arena shows. Well, what would be better than a show with City Kickboxing, and they've got Brad Quake Riddell. They've got uh, Israel Adesanya and maybe some Dan Hooker as well. They would tear the roof off that bitch in Auckland. So yeah. it's a huge opportunity for a lot of different players here. I picked up something in what you were saying there about Poirier. This is certainly not comparative equally to let's say the position Tyron Woodley was in going into that Gilbert Burns fight we just saw, where that was a legitimate crossroads fight. You will tell us which direction your career is heading by how you perform. Would you say this is a sleeper crossroads fight for Poirier? There's some elements in that, Luke, where he's not devastated with a second straight loss against another elite guy, but he's also at that sort of turning point where you become a celebrity name or you, or you keep going back up toward that title. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, right? Because one, he's never lost two in a row, as I indicated. Two, you know, at lightweight, you've got big names kind of sitting at the top, right? And you've had them there for a long time. Your Connors, your Khabibs, your Tonys. And Tony is still up there, but he did lose. And uh, Justin has now sort of asserted himself there. And here's what I mean. It's like we keep talking about bantamweight, right? How great bantamweight is. I don't know who's going to win that title uh, come uh, 251 or who's going to fight for afterwards. and It'll be Sterling, I guess. But, you know, who's going to win? I can't predict who's going to be the bantamweight champ in two years, BC, because, Jesus Christ, like, they're just going to keep asserting themselves on one another in a very competitive way. There's a lot of parity at the top there. I believe 
even with Nurmagomedov, this might be true, but certainly outside of him, there's a ton of parity there. There are guys who are bad matchups for Connor. Connor's a bad matchup for some of them. I still think Tony can beat elite lightweights. By the way, Dustin Poirier, as I mentioned, never coming off a second uh, loss. Um, a Dan Hooker, here he comes out of nowhere to start stomping on fools. Like, if you lose two in a row, it's not just a setback, but all these new faces and names start to claw ahead. And so you, how much, how much harder is it to then get back because you're not competing against the old names that were up there when you were kind of up there. It's the old ones, but some of them are gone. There's a bunch of new ones now. The turnover is so high that any yeah. loss is really consequential, especially two in a row. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Luke, you want to update the people on your aerodynamic haircut by any chance? Yeah, I got the old barracks cut from the wife. You know, could use a little help, but I'm doing the best we can. Uh, we, right, we, DC, I, I gave myself the fourth quarantine fade. Uh, wife hates it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. we're doing it. Listen, it's, DC didn't know, uh, hit phase two until today, and I was looking like a shaggy dog. I needed some help. I'm not sure how much help I got, but... I'm not going to complain. It was free. You Luke, get what since, you pay for, BC. You get what you pay yeah, for. Yeah, you do. And since I'm a voice, a man of the people, I want to be the voice of the people on the show. A lot of people wondering what your, what your uh, COVID mask of choice. What's the design on the front? You have the DC flag. What do you, oh. you have? A, what do you have? A picture of your daughter? I don't know. No, I actually, I think I have one. Uh, hang on. I um. So I saw that. They, well, I don't know if I have it on me. I thought I had some. Uh. Well, the answer is, hold on. Ah, damn it. The answer is, I saw the folks at uh, one of my, well, my favorite sports team is Real Madrid. They are in Spain. They have all their gear outfitted by Hugo Boss when they're traveling, and then Adidas when they're uh, sort of in training gear. And Adidas makes a Real Madrid uh, mask designed okay. for this current moment. You can actually go to adidas.com and get one. So I got a pack of three uh, black masks. For Real Madrid slash Adidas. How about that? All right. Viva football. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, with that in mind, BC, it's uh, time when we have to answer to the people. You uh, ask us questions every Sunday on Instagram at Morning Combat. So let's get to them now, BC. It is time for DMs from dogs. All right. Uh, BC, this comes to us first from at Rodriguez Works with a Z. What was harder for Blades, the fight or the interview after? <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Look at that was rough in terms of uh, in terms of great moments in interview history. He he, he had trouble. Uh, I there was one point where I actually thought he was going to gas out of the interview. I thought he was just going to be like, "That's it, that's it." So I thought I thought Mazagati was going to jump in, and that would have been it. You know what I mean? Like uh, okay, or, or Keith I'm, I'm Peterson, gonna, or what? Why does I'm going to defend like blades? I'm going to defend blades. I'm going to defend blades a little bit. Yes, he was tired. Okay. He does have a speech impediment. It's not bad, but it is noticeable. Um, and he texted my producer yesterday. His whole lip is stitched together. It wasn't as bad as the Overeem lip split to Rosenstruck, but it's, it's not money, and it's all swollen and shit. So like between you know, some of the speech challenges, which I'm not making fun of him for, it, you know, it's not easy, uh, being dog-tired and your lip being knocked together, I- I'm, I'm going to cut him a little bit of a break, B.C., Okay, Rerudo, Rerudo, gotcha, gotcha, okay, okay. All right, so next, from Jack with three Ks, which is never a good look, and then an underscore, who would win in a fight, BC, your wife or mine? (laughs) 
well, my wife does have the uh, the old school uh, Irish uh, side of her. Uh, but what's the, uh, what's, the know, what's the tail of the tape? How tall is she? Five seven. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty tall for a woman. Uh, you want? Yeah, I thought it was going to be who who could win between me and my wife. You know, it might be might be even money at times in that. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but Luke, you know, not to completely stereotype people, but your wife's a spicy Latina. She's a beautiful woman. Um, I'm sure that you know she can tear an eyeball out. Am I racist? No, no. Oh, you, yes, you are racist, but not for saying that. Um, also, my wife trained jujitsu for years. She's pretty talented, actually. So for that reason alone. I would say maybe my wife, but I will say this. If your wife has a stiff jab, my wife is only 5'1". She's tiny. Ah, okay, so, okay, okay. So, so if she can pop the jab in her face, you know, I might like her chances. But if it gets okay. on the mat, my wife would probably win. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, this is an odd. Co- this is a, even for my standards, this is an odd conversation. I know. Jay pick, I guarantee you that fucker Jay picked this question to be like, I'm going to sow dissension in the ranks. Yeah, Fucking Jay just can't. Jay is just itching for a live mic so he can tell us about that time that he uh, that he uh, rolled with Uriah Hall, right? Uh, all right. So next we wow, go. Jay to... looks really mad. Can you see Jay there? He looks really mad. Well, he's not wearing his. He stopped wearing his white glasses, which you know can only be a coincidence. It's like, dude, was Jay the guy in that band LMFAO? Party rock I... is in the house tonight. Yeah. Wh- what was the name of Jay's band? No Escape. Yes, yes. Which was which was the reality of. Uh, do you think he had a, a sugar daddy, a Lou Pormlin in his life, who, uh, you know, you know. Uh, yeah, he he only wishes he could have been abused. That's okay, the kind of sick mind that Jay has. All right, at Aurelius ninety two. Uh, who is your favorite TV show dad and slash husband? This person writes, mine is Kevin James from King of Queens. BC, I have a good answer for this one. All right, what do you got? Hit me up, hit me up. It's got to be Al Bundy from Married with Children. Let, oh, let me yeah, ex- yeah. Let, yeah. Let me explain this to you. Married with Children, you think Family Guy or American Dad is edgy? It's not. Married with Children is a show they could not make today because it's a failed man who hates his life, he hates his wife, he hates his kids. <laughs> they all hate him. He wishes for divorce, and he makes fun of his, I'll just leave it at this, his eccentric neighbors, and the like self-loathing, Hooters. the outwardly loathing, and the retreat to beer, it's one of the greatest shows ever. My dad and my mom had a very contentious divorce, and I'll never forget this, BC. My dad does not watch television. Like, it just does not, it does not happen. But the only show he would ever let us watch when we would go and stay at his house is Married with Children. It is the only American sitcom, or whatever you want to call it, that I ever saw make my dad laugh, and it made him gut laugh. It's the only one. Yeah, we watched it as a family, and I remember in fifth and sixth grade, I was the only kid in my class who was allowed to watch it, but uh, great stuff. My favorite TV dad of all time is uh, Dan Loria, who played Kevin Arnold's dad in The Wonder Years, which I think just like encapsulated so many of the dads i grew up with like come home from work so damn angry wife waiting there with the with a mixed drink as he grabs it you can't talk to him for a couple hours he only speaks in grunts but that show is my favorite show of all time that's a classic show do you remember specifically luke when uh when kevin's dad took kevin with him to work at norcom that day 
and got completely undressed in front of his son by his boss and just had to take the L. It's one of the, I mean, there's so many great episodes in that show's history that, that could make me cry, that could you know bring out a lot of emotions. Seeing the dad have to take that L in front of the son, that was a tough one, okay? I did not see one. that one, but that sounds not awesome. Um, yeah. Is there any dad worth forgetting? Jay said Bill Cosby. Cosby. Yes, of course yeah. he did. Or is he talking about Bill Cosby or, or Cliff Huxtable? Which, which, which side is Jay support here? Yeah. Right. Um, if there's anyone else, I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. So next one from Liza or Liza underscore Razu. What is the best snack to eat along a six pack of cheap beer, BC? This person wow. writes, I personally think nothing beats nachos. There is, yeah, no, I like the spirit of this question because obviously, uh, you know, there's certain snacks that go great with wine, with a, with a top-shelf IPA, but if you're drinking a cheap American lager, um, you know, I think Cool Ranch Doritos certainly matches up very well with that, Luke. I don't know if you get down like that. Um, uh, chicken wings, have chicken wings and American mm. lager ever gone bad together? I mean, come no, on. No, that's, that's a good tip. I always feel like you can't go wrong with, I don't know, meats and cheese, like with beer, right? Um, I guess it depends on the kind of beer. Oh, he says cheap beer. Okay, so let's say what, n- you know, beast, beast light, something like that. Uh, oh, I'm gonna say how about, how about Bush Heavy? Bush Heavy's a solid can. If I'm going can, if I'm going American Lager can, I'm going Bush Heavy. All right. Or or just PBR. PBR is like an, all, an easy option there. It's probably the I, same you know, recipe. I, I don't think. See, I would say you can't have a burrito because that just sits in your stomach. You got to have finger foods, right? Like nachos, their point. Fry. I, you know what? I like fries. A good, good, you know, some nice, salty, greasy fries, I guess. Something like that. Something you can pick individually, piece by piece. Not like a giant burger or a giant burrito that just. I got it. You know. I got it there. now. Um, what is it? I didn't have this until 2019. The year of our Lord, 2019. So all of our West Coast fans are like, yo. But what are those, uh, those fries you get in LA that. Uh, Carne asada fries. You know what I'm talking about? You mean carne asada is a steak? I know, but carne asada fries, where you basically get a container filled with fries, beef, cheese, onions. Mm. It's just like a smorgasbord of hell, and it's it's sloppy and disgusting. And there's gravy. It's like it becomes so wet at the bottom that it forms like this thick gravy of all the ingredients in there. That is probably the perfect uh, everything. The perfect. So it's in other uh, words, it's like munchie. it's like a it's like an L.A. version of poutine. Exactly. And you get it from like a, you know, a truck on the side of the road. Exactly. I can't believe I lived my whole life and didn't have that. I, I've been to uh, Rochester. I've been to John Jones country. I've eaten the garbage plates, which is one of the greatest sloppy food inventions ever. Luke, have you ever had a garbage plate? It would change your life. It would change your draws because you'd be, you'd be, uh, yeah, yeah. Have a garbage plate, Luke. It's basically, they serve it on a paper plate and they put like beans, mac and cheese, fries, uh, a couple burger patties, cheese. I mean, they just basically take everything that's great about gas station food and they serve it on a giant paper plate. And you buy it for like 12 bucks and you're like, oh, I'm going to eat this whole thing. And then halfway through, you're, you know, there's, there's stuff coming out of all orifices. It's, it's classic Americana. Uh, last thing on this, you ever had tachos? No. So it's nachos, but there's no corn chip. It's tater tots. And then you put sour cream, cheese, you know, whatever else you want to put on there, and then you eat it with a fork, tachos. It's pretty money. It's pretty good. Okay. Okay. Uh, yesterday for uh, Father's Day, went to a restaurant. Um, I've, d- I've, I've learned, Luke, and developed that uh, 
blue cheese on a burger is the is like I can't believe I didn't do that my whole life. Oh, like you can have a you can you can have a gourmet burger with whatever you like on it, and that's fine. But when you put blue cheese on it, Luke, you go into the. You, I think I get high while I eat it, right? I think I have a food orgasm. I think like the things happen to me, right? So, so I got I got to give my brother a shout out. We, we went to his house yesterday uh, again. First time I saw my family since the pandemic. Although this dude, you you, got, you all think I'm hard ass about COVID. He wouldn't let us go inside. We had to sit on his porch. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, come that was a real on, thing. Luke's brother. What is wrong with your family, Luke? That's what I said. That's what I said. I was like, dude, we can't. I, 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 I he let us go in to piss, but we had to have a mask. I'm not shitting you. I was like, okay, dude, whatever. Did you have anyway, to take your shoes off too? No, he actually, not. No, he didn't make us do that because he had the dog there. But uh, I will give him credit for the cooking. Remember, my my family closed their restaurant right before the pandemic. And uh, so my, my brother can cook his ass off. He actually bought short ribs, pulled the meat, and then ground it himself, and then Ooh. used that to make burger patties. Whoa, oh. dude. It was awesome. It was awesome. I was very impressed. So you got you to gotta oh. give a little to get a little with him. How do we hang out with this guy? Is, it, is he a good hang, your brother? Uh, if you like eating burgers and smoking a trash bag full of marijuana, sure. <laughs> can you stop? Can we... <laughs> Can we sign up, Luke? Can we get can we get by the fire with this guy, please? Yeah, I mean, come on, let's a good do time. this. Here, Luke. You'll have to sit outside. You may have to wear a mask to go pee, but you know, it's a, it's a it's a good trade off. Okay, okay, great. All, All right, we got one of those donks. We got we got one more. We got one more. By the way, verified blue check mark here from Ben. Schne- I got my my vision is fading. Ben Schnetzer. Okay, so BC, there's six of these. You got to just pick one at a time. Ready? Let's go through okay. them. Number let's one. Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore? Uh, it doesn't hold up as well, but Billy Madison. The answer is Happy Gilmore. Two, Tommy Boy or Black Sheep? Tommy Boy for days. Agreed. Tommy Boy is the right answer. Number three, The Mask or Ace Ventura? Although that is the, the, the mountaintop moment for Cameron Diaz. Like the, like the, that's Everest for her. The answer is Ace Ventura. The answer is Ace Ventura. I agree. All right, number four as we move along here. The Mighty Ducks or The Sandlot? That's a, gr- that's a, that's a great-ass that's question. That's a tough one. All right? The sa- uh, I, I hate to scale the fence. The Sandlot's the better flick, but The Mighty Ducks is more rewatchable. That's my personal take. Okay, if I got to pick one, Sandlot. Sandlot. It's classic. Sand- it's just so classic and pure. Sandlot is... is- timeless and so sentimental and just perfect uh number five encino man or biodome are you a paulie shore guy or a uh, what's his face <laughs> who fell off the fucking earth uh, i saw uh, i saw son-in-law on opening night remember paulie shore and kelly kapowski were in that movie that was great oh um God. i'm gonna go encino man i i feel like this guy's serving up to us like if you're gonna like no one's gonna pick black sheep over tommy boy right it's like the like the bootleg follow-up, right? I think Biodome, is, to me, is like a bootleg follow-up of Encino Man. Oh, Brendan Fraser is his name for Encino yes. Man. Uh, and then number six, last but not least, and this is an important one. Are you a Friday guy or a Wayans Brothers production? Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Uh, shout out to the Wayans, of course. And uh, That one time that I had, uh, when Showtime sent me to L.A. in first class, and I had the bed on the plane, and Damon Wayans w- was behind me, and Flavor Flav was two seats to the left, and I wow. slept, and like the waitress, stewardess lady, like cleans your area while you're sleeping gives you a back massage i mean i was like you know we got a hot dog and a hando here too um uh, you gotta go with friday luke i don't think 
there, there's, there is a back massage, Jay. I'm not kidding. I know Jay's the master of points. Jay's got another documentary coming out. Yes, Jay, there is no points. back massage in coach where they ship your ass. But for those Here's of us who get to I'm ride saying, at the front okay? of the plane. I'm, I'm saying this. Not only is the answer Friday, Luke, that's one of those, like, I'm not sure you can, even if you've watched it for the first time this year, I'm not sure if you could realize how culturally significant and hilarious that movie was unless you were in those times in the 90s when it came out and you saw it in the theater and instantly every line and situation became a catchphrase for, like, the next five years of your life. Uh, yeah, it was a... It was a- uh, a light mocking of of movies of that era, but the answer is Friday. Friday is a classic. Friday is timeless. Friday spawned multiple sequels, some of which sucked, some of which were okay. But it is a, a period piece, and you know you can't understand the '90s without Friday. It's not possible. So the answer is Friday. Shout out to Debo. Shout out to Debo. Right. Tuck your chain when Debo comes through. Okay, BC. Bye, Your turn to steal the show, my friend. What do you got for us? Yeah, all right. Here we go. Hit the animation. Hit me with the horns money. Uh, you know what we do, right? We scour the globe for the good, the bad, the highs and lows. In combat sports beyond, it's have you seen this ish. And Luke, we always start with legitimate combat sports. This this past Saturday in Mexico City, top rank had a card on ESPN. By the way, they served up Emmanuel Navarrete, a champion in the main event, with a guy with a 13-13 and 13 record. So F that. But on the undercard, did you see Sergio Santo Sanchez send this man oh, to Is this hell? the left hook? Is this the left hook? Yes, it is. Great call by Bernardo Osuna, and wow. Fuck. That's it. Uh, yep, that's it. That, that's it. There it is. You don't need fans in attendance to realize how great that is, Luke. Look at I mean, just right on the chin. Just, yeah, yeah. And he was looking down, too. Oh. Little, little check hook magic. Remember the one Floyd Mayweather hit Ricky Hatton with? Yep. Sent him face first into the ropes. Love it. Yep. All right, let's move on to one championship kickboxing. Luke, I've never seen this before. I've seen a body shot knockout. I've never seen a body shot knockout cold. Did that really just happen? Pink hair putting it. Kick this guy to the liver, and I think he's out. How is that biologically possible? You tell me. Weird things happen in one championship. Yeah, they lose hundreds of millions of dollars. They should have sent a press release about this. I think that guy's... Uh, wow, he's not coming back, Luke. He's out cold on a body shot. Wow, all right, yes. Hey, let's move on from one to uh, sand fighting, Luke. This is probably be the greatest knockout in sand fighting history. Oh, Oof. God. Oh, he's testifying. Luke, he's testifying to the He to the testified in church that the Lord Jesus is... Yep. Oh, Wow. Can you explain what's, what the setup here is? What is this? Is this turkey? Uh, he dips to his... This is the, what Kelleher hit uh, Azure with. Watch him dip left. Well, I'm not talking about the, the technique. I'm talking about your Armenian bro- brethren. Is this like a neighborhood boxing match in the sand? Bro, Armenia, you know, people don't... They, I'll tell you what. Uh, it might be the first official Christian nation in world history, but they are not about turning the other cheek over there. They are... Uh, they are savages. So why why is the one guy in the shorts and the other guy's dressed like uh, dressed like uh, what's he's that going surfing name? in like cold uh, Pacific waters or something? <laughs> I was gonna say he's dressed like Roxanne Montefiore. Can who can wear the most clothes in one fight? Look at that! All right, I know she has knee wraps, ankle braces, the whole shit. She, 
I mean, my kids, when they go swimming, they wear less than that. I mean, come on. And they, you know, yeah, all right. Hey, let's move on from here. Let's go to drinking. That's what we do in the summer, right? Here's a flaming Moe shot gone wrong. Look, I, I, no, sorry. I think we, we, we switched one there. All right, we got, well, we'll move on. We'll go to the next one. Um, hey, here's a toast for Abuelo. He's crazy. We love him. He's been through a lot. It's Father's Day weekend. Just be careful. Don't stand behind him, right? We love you, Abuelo. You're the patriarch of this family. Okay, celebrate. Salut to you and yours. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What, what, what tradition is this? I don't know. I don't know. I think this is uh, in Doha. This is your, these are your people. Okay. Oh. Well, hey. You know what? Yeah. If it was in Doha, that might have been actually intentional. This might be that Colombian, uh, you know, Isha, Isha, Misha that you do, and then you throw it. All right. Let's go back to that one, Jay. Bring it on. Um, Luke, I'm all for doing shots. I'm all for celebration and all that. But if we're going to light shots on fire and go Flaming most style, you deserve what you get in this situation, okay? Okay, Luke? All right? This kid's like 14, by the way. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in on that, Luke. I'm not in on it, all right? Um... You ever smoke wet in high school? Uh, Where people spray it with uh, bug spray? I, I don't get down on that either, okay? I don't smoke wet and I don't do this, okay? Dude, I, I, I wish his friends wouldn't have put it out. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Thank you, Abuelo. Can we move on to a real drinking legend? Jay, can you get us back on track? It's the Donnie, Ronnie Deutsch part of this, the drinking legend. Luke, he is raising the bar with this with his Charles Barkley throwback the great Ronnie Deutsch is going to try a six pack of mixed alcoholic drinks with 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 a with a POA on his shoulders right dude that is gross he's got the sweet the hard the hard sweet tea whatever you want to call it and then what I mean, is that this, like a smirk off ice we got to get this guy in the show and talk talk to him because this is like this is next level. When you're mixing, I mean, you've had like a, a Zima or some kind of spiked thing. It gives you indigestion like a mofo. He's mixing that with, with beer and, and different things. Oh, and, he couldn't get the last one in one go. Yeah, he's, strugg- he's like Dale Sr. on turn four here. He's struggling. He's about to go in the wall, Luke. All right, he did it. He did it. But, uh, oh, wow. What, what do you think happens next after the camera turns off? Uh, he's probably going to, those two are going to, you know, all right. Have okay. Shout out, to, shout out to Ronnie Deutsch on that one. Uh, let's go to the football field, Luke. Sometimes you can get a little too into it. You can get a little bit too hype. Check out this coach in the foreground with the white thing in his back and the gray switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fired up. Great play. <laughs> yeah, not taking it. You got jacked up. You got jacked the hell up. Uh, come on, son. I mean, that oh, is Oh, that is great. awesome. Dude, yeah. first of all, that's a large man. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, and the thing is, he's hurt. He's down. He's down for a while there, by the way. That's great. All right. Uh, you know, he's celebrating, of course, a big play there, an open field tackle. Uh, let's go to an open field dog tackle. Check this out, Luke. You got to be careful in the backyard when you wind your dog up. Because they might come around the corner oh. and send you to hell. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Dude. You know what? You got to call the dog for clipping. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that is a, that is that that is illegal. That is not legal. In, in uh, but uh, wow, I think the head hit the ground too. That's a KO right there. All right. Yeah, see, that's why you got to get. How, how you have a dog, right? How big is your dog? I got two of them. I got a big uh, German Shepherd Doberman mix, about seventy pounds. So yeah. But, but see, German Shepherds are smart. This mutt is just you know running into shit because he's stupid. Yeah, but like the first snowfall, when I let Molly out there in the backyard, she would do this to me. She would take me out out of oh, the yeah? excitement, you know? Yeah, like, I see. I got one dog who's like less than 20 pounds, and the other one is uh, afraid of, uh, you know, the lightning. So yes, I don't really have yes. to worry about this. Very, very Luke Thomas like with the COVID. All right. Hey, Luke, you ever been at a party and there's that like jerk who refuses to give his keys and he's drinking too much and he's trying to start the car? And we're like, how do we corral him? Look at this guy right here in the striped shirt. He's. Come on, guy. Just give the keys. You're not going to get away from us. There's no escape right now. Oh, God. What? <laughs> he's celebrating. Look at it. Cel- oh, now, it, now the reality comes in. You've, you've got shards of glass inside your soul. That was worth it. All right. At that point, I'd let him drive home, Luke. You know? I'm speechless. Is that yes. Paul Felder? Who is that? That I was going to say, very Paul Felder like there. Yes, yes. Where's Barbosa with a spinning back kick? Come on, yes. Uh, oh, or maybe it's maybe okay. it's Paul Craig. Yeah, the could bear, be, the could bear be Jew. Well. Very well done there. Shout out, shout out to there. All right. Wow, my well, man is taking drinking games to a different level with that shit. Let's go to a classic UFC weigh-in moment. You know, I sang on "Do What You Like," and if you missed it. I'm the one that said, just grab the boss by the biscuit. Is that an ABC Nation, Amanda Cooper? What is she doing? How many dudes has she done that to at the bar? I mean. <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised the boss, uh, you know, tried to block that. I'm, you know, you know how they get down there, right? Just whatever. Is this, let me goes. ask you something. Not that I'm saying we should report her to HR, but is that sexual harassment? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly not. It was certainly not legal in my company, Luke. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, a morning combat, we can do anything. But yeah, uh, this is yeah. this is uh, this is a step shy of the morning combat uh, handshake. This is an old fight, though. This is uh, what fight is that? Young They're Jack on FS1. Yeah, Claudia two. Yeah, so that's 2016, the weekend of UFC 200, the sale, all that. Look at Joe Silver right there. You got any Joe Silver stories, Luke? Yeah, he called me up irate one time. Okay. Did he He's ever call you? Man, did he, he ever call you angry? No, but one time I was out drinking at UFC 199 weekend and Sean Shelby was there and I didn't know what he looked like. I only know the name and we'd been drinking for a while, other media there and whatever. And I really pissed him off because at a certain level, uh, I was looked over. I was like, oh, hey, so you work for UFC two. What do you do? And uh, he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Didn't like I've that actually had I've actually had a okay. number of conversations with Sean. I've had a pretty good relationship with him. I got nothing against him, but he did not like that I was asking him what his job was and who your father was and what does he do for a living. Yeah, he would not like that. Yeah. No, Joe called me one time real bitter. That was it. Okay. I mean, it, you know, look, a lot of people might not be wrong. He, he did do his job right. You know, he played that role to the T, to the but, you know, he did send a few people to hell. Okay, let's roll on here, Luke. Uh, this is a pretty good knockout, but it might be the worst celebration of all time. Jay, hit me with it. I don't know what, what league we're in here, but what is this creep show? This is, uh, this is Combate Americas. I mean, what do you call that? Is that he's like doing, the... Uh, what, he's doing the what T-Rex. What was that dance they did in Teen Wolf? Yeah. It's the T-Rex. Okay. All right. But how do yeah. you, do you... The T-Rex has no arms, or very short ones anyway, and you just knock the dude out with your hands. Wouldn't you... That doesn't even make sense. 
Yeah, if you're you, going to be a T Rex, at least eat his eat, eat part of him, right? Eat his soul or stomp, stomp. You know, if you won via stomp or something, you know. Yeah, advise him to get better tattoos. Do something, right? Help him with his taxes. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, all right. Hey, Luke, remember uh, we just launched Morning Combat merch, right? Show store.com sho yep. to check you know you can outfit you know your father you know a little post father's day gift get him a sweatshirt get him a hoodie um we have a very creative group of fans we've shown some of this stuff in the past but uh we our fans are so creative and there's the link by the way sto- store.show.com to get your merch i think some of our fans want to be merch creators they're basically like look we love your merch but we want to go even broader, next level. I want you to rate each of this uh, MK merch attempts by our by our people. Give me a you know, give me a good, bad, or ugly, a yay or a nay. Here we go, Luke. This one is first from at um, Square Punches Circle on Instagram. That is that is pretty good right there. What are my choices? I mean, good, bad, and weird. Yeah, good, bad, and ugly. I'll go good. Okay, I mean, Jay has pointed out that I look like David Ortiz on the left, and we're both wearing a shirt that says Tip. Yes, maybe we're, maybe we're big fans of an Atlanta rapper. Uh, that is true, that is true. All right, let's bring on uh, show legend Web Scream, right? Our boy Christophoros, the Greek legend. He's playing up on the, um, on the Mortal Kombat mixed with our donkage. What do you think about that, Luke? Would you wear that on a T-shirt? Would you put that? It's okay. You put that on your kid's bib, maybe? Maybe. It's okay. All right. Here's the all-time classic from Sammy Q 0H9, 089, excuse me on Instagram. Um that that may have to join the line. Luke. That's your winner. That, that, that's that's your yeah. that's your clubhouse leader right there. That's fantastic. Showtime, can we add this to the to the mix please? All right, let's go on from here. Dominic Volando turned us into into Simpsons characters. Luke, I'm a big fan of this one, okay? That is amazing. That is amazing. Holy crap, that is good. They, wow. Now I look like a I look like a creeper on the right, but they nailed you. That is you, Luke, all the way. Uh, yeah, I just look like the sad guy in The Running Man who was the security forces for the yes. game show host. Great call right there. All right. Uh, here is my personal favorite of the group. This is from Eric Becerra. He, he might have a future on the <laughs> store.show.com website. Um, yeah, right? I kind of look like Michael Bisping on the right, but yeah, we nailed it, right? Uh, God, who do I, I look like Michael Dukakis or some shit. I look terrible. <laughs> uh, he even has the, the morning combat sun logo in the, in the, in the, in the letter O there. I love it. Yeah. I and in the eye, he's got the fist. I appreciate the letter, the detail, but it looks like we're amputees, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. rubbing nubs yeah. or something. It's a little weird. All right. Uh, you saw this one cause it blew up Instagram recently from at life in comic sans. Sans, S-A-N-S. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's so good. Grip to grip, Luke. Grip to grip right there. I, I like how you look like I am molesting you. You see that face? It's like I've, been, I've like conscripted you, and I'm also yes. wearing apparently my dad's shoes. And you're wearing a shirt that says Cannibal Corpse on it, and I'm wearing a shirt with two hot dogs touching tips. I mean, it's, it is, this is pretty good. This is pretty damn good. This is great, actually. It's not bad. It's not bad. I actually right. like it a lot. Uh, we usually close with something weird. Luke, I found this picture in the archives. All these 90s music references I make, I bet you're wondering, what did I look like when I was in my 85 Chevy Celebrity dropping out of college and listening to those songs? Check me out in September of 1997, Luke. Sweaty, Ooh. blown, washed, high, and 
not getting girls during this stretch of my career. Um, I can't imagine why. Maybe the maybe the facial hair. Maybe maybe could be that fucking crater sized zit on the top of your forehead. Couldn't be that. <laughs> I was uh, nineteen here, you know, thinking, you know, it's, I, I should just drop out of college. I should just drop. That's probably what I was thinking right there, you know. Yeah. Also the uh, the facial hair. I mean, I've had my run-ins with bad facial hair, so I'm certainly not above it. But, we, you know, well, listen, thing, it takes time to figure out things in our lives, BC. Yeah. It takes some time. And then by the time... Well, that thing, Jose, here's I what I've noticed. out to a curled under. It curled it, under, Luke. Girls yeah. don't like that. Here's the thing, though. By the time you figure it out, that's at the point where you stop caring. And then it doesn't that's do true. you any good that's anyway. True. Check you later. Girls don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, they, they basically told me check you later after that. One time I passed out at a uh, live concert. Remember that band? And uh, Shannon Rafferty lit, lit that, that thing on fire. Not a good moment in my life. All right, thank you. Thank wow. You. Also, you know what? Very good of you to be mouth-breathing. Okay, hey, have you seen any of that, Luke? I know it wasn't our best, okay? I, I, no, I it was good. I it was good. I liked it. Uh, BC, with that in mind, let us transition. We have odds and ends. What are your odds and ends for today? Uh, yeah, I got a few of them this week. Uh, what's, what's that guy's name? No, I forgot it. The, the ex-UFC fighter turned boxer. Uh, it is Clay Collard. Clay Collard. Clay Collard. Clay Collard. Uh, we remember we played him on the show co- a couple months back when he, before the quarantine when he had appeared on a PBC undercard and knocked out a young prospect. He did the same thing again, only this time it was a sp- I think it was a split or majority decision on the top ranked card last Thursday against a guy he was sending there uh, in theory to lose to. Clay Collard's a tough bastard here. Is that a morning combat uh, morning uh, tattoo on his shoulder there? I doubt it. Mortal Kombat? Yeah, it's a yeah, Mortal, it's Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Shout yeah. out to Clay Collard right there. Um, look, he brought it. I thought he won the fight a lot wider than the scores indicated. You got to give this guy a shout. I mean, he's transitioned to boxing after a failed UFC run, right? He lost to Max Holloway back in the day. And now he's just knocking out potential contenders, maybe pretenders left and right. Here's the problem, though. Look, we've been kind of ragging on these top rank on ESPN shows for the lack of matchmaking and particularly this card, the main event fell apart with a COVID. Uh, one of the fighters coaches got caught COVID and that fell apart. But I don't know if you saw the fighter pay for the entire card. Oh. And again, these matchups sucked on paper. Clay made $5,000 for upsetting that kid on national television. Um, I never thought I'd say this. You might want to go back to the UFC and make your seven and a half to show seven and a half to win because that's awful. And I get it. I understand the situation we're in, but uh, hey, boxing, we got to do better. Meaning quarantine right now, Dana's kicking everyone's ass. I know it's a different setup, different system, different financials, but uh, it's time to start making some good matchups. It's time to pay people. And Luke, a little birdie told me that uh, we could be seeing a, a, a big time boxing announcement from our friends at showtime this week about the future schedule for the rest of 2020 when they will return how they will return against who against who against who uh it's gonna be pretty good it's gonna be pretty gonna be pretty damn solid all right we could be back in business in this sport all right and that's no and i'm look i'm not stiff arm and bob Aram and company i'm happy that they're getting out there and making it happen as well hopefully golden boy matchroom sport everyone else will do the same but uh pbc showtime big news coming uh, a couple things I would add. I, that same birdie told me about some of the fights that Showtime might be announcing. 
Gotta say, there's some of the fights on that list I'm looking forward to. Maybe if Showtime Pretty likes good. us and COVID is not kicking America's ass, we can go cover some of them. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, wow. um, I'd also add, by the way. A, would you wear a COVID mask on air like the uh, Today Show announcers do? Do they really? I didn't see that. Do they really? Yeah. Would you have like a Showtime boxing logo? Maybe a, an MK logo on there. Yeah. Right? I'll put the MK logo on there. Yeah. You got to listen. You got to promote the brand. Uh, yeah. I would say I also, this. Real yeah, quickly, Clay Collard, you mentioned, only made five grand. Here's the part of the story that people forget. He had actually signed with the PFL to fight in March of uh, 2020, and then the whole thing got just pushed until, I think, with the, I'm not even sure when they're coming back, not until next year, right? Something like that. So he had to go make money somehow, so he just went back into boxing. Uh, so that's why he's sort of in the position that he's in. Also, it was a six-rounder. They're not going to pay you much for a six-rounder, right? So No, I mean, look, I'm not saying like anytime we talk about UFC pay that the lower rung of boxing pays well. It doesn't on the lower end, but this was a televised, somewhat featured fight. I mean, five grand's tough, Luke. That's tough, Luke. That you does might suck. make more. I don't know your specifics. You might make more for a Showtime appearance than that guy did for trying to send a guy to hell. You know what I mean? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, I'll say this: my odds and ends very quickly. Um, a fight. I got more ended. odds and ends, Luke. I know you. Got oh well, then go ahead. Finish, 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 finish. All right, real quick. You saw John Jones's tweet or Instagram, whatever, uh, to Mike Tyson saying, you know, let's talk about it. I- I'm, I'm listening. I'm not here to tell you that this John Jones. Mike Tyson boxing match should happen or will happen or all that. I mean, it's kind of weird. Tyson was doing an Instagram live with somebody else laying on a bed. He actually gave a pretty honest take about the reality of pay for UFC stars, right? He pointed out that somebody like Conor McGregor had to go to boxing and go into a spot in which, you know, the odds were against him to try to make real money, right? Like $100 million superstar money. And Mike put up a great point. He said Connor could never make that in the UFC. In fact, even if he was bold enough to challenge John Jones, he still wouldn't make that money. And then Mike said, you know, if John Jones wants to make this type of money, he's going to have to fight me. So, of course, that got everybody going, oh, my God, are they going to box? We know Mike's trying to come back. Luke, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But I did want to play with you for a second. Weird, I know. Um, just, just what if it did happen? A boxing match. 53-year-old and suddenly in shape Mike Tyson, who, you know, in, in the first minute, first three minutes maybe, is going to be as dangerous as ever against a 6'4 rangy John Jones who has no pro boxing experience but certainly can throw punches a little bit. What if that was a three-round boxing match? What does that look like? Trash. I mean... You know, it's like, what if they had to kick each other, but they had to fight walking on their hands? Like, how would it look? And I'm like, no, uh, no, seriously, because John said, you know, I'll box you if you agree to an MMA fight, but I'll take it lightly. And nobody wants any of that. It's not going to happen. But people would buy it to to see what those first three minutes look oh, like when Mike comes know, out throwing John, bombs. John would do John would do what he always does, which is hang on until the guy gasses and hang on him quite literally, like wrapping him up, right, using a stiff arm. Having him just get tired and then start working him. That's it. It'd be okay, fairly, so, fairly three, so you want all right. I mean, yeah, you, you did just you did just squash my dreams, but I think you're right. I think you're right in a lot of ways. It would be fun to see if 
Tyson could land that, but it would probably be gross and John would work from distance. And he is defensively responsible enough to probably not get lit up. But uh, yeah, let's not do that. And also to close, Luke, I know you don't care, but the pro wrestling industry in the last few days blowing up on Twitter, hashtag speaking out, is it really exposing, particularly on the independent scene, how bad the treatment of women has been in that industry, uh, sexual abuse and harassment and all that. There's starting to be some bigger names, not big names, but big-ish names that are getting called out some even getting let go um i'm happy to see this because it's a rough injury industry the pro wrestling industry and um i'm sure there's skeletons in the closets even as high as wwe i'm 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 assured of that in some ways i don't know if it's going to get that far in terms of people bringing it to light but this is good this is good to see this happen that's a rough industry a lot of a lot of bad things happen to a lot of bad people unfortunately in that and uh let's get let's get crap cleaned up it's 2020 luke okay we don't need nooses in the nascar hauler like enough of this crap please all right let's 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 bring look you can't keep those sins in the closet they will come to the forefront even for you luke okay your your sins against my people okay keep it up thank you who are your people i don't know i just felt like stirring it up a little bit right there what do you got luke (laughs) Uh, speaking of, uh, well, I don't know if there are people or not, but two, uh, interesting fighters are going to clash on August 29th. Uh, Anthony Smith is going to be back in action against Alexander Rakic at 205 pounds. I think the date is August 29th. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure what the event is going to be called, but that is a really interesting fight because one, both guys are coming off of losses Two. Uh, Rakic has like all the potential in the world. It appears he did lose a split decision, uh, I think, to Volkan Uzdemir in his last contest. But you could tell he's got a lot of ability. And Smith, we know, has a lot of ability, but is coming off of that really bad sort of beating he took to Glover Teixeira, where he got his teeth dislodged. And that was all the way not too far back in May. So he'll have about three months, maybe a little bit more, between early May and late August. BC, I love the fight on paper. I love what it can do for either guy. But uh, I got to tell you, Anthony Smith coming back that fast surprised me. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, but that's sort of been who he who he has been, right? He he comes back very quickly and sort of takes big chances. Look, I want to interrupt this Anthony Smith conversation and say, look, we're journalists. We're supposed to be like, you know, partisan or whatever and and not cheer for but everybody's got like favorite fighters especially when we interview and meet them i love me some yoana champion i love me some tyron woodley some rose nama Eunice. i think anthony smith is your favorite fighter find you a fighter you love as much as you love anthony smith you love that guy i do uh i think he's very very talented and i think he's bright and it's always a pleasure to hear um you know even when I disagree with him or whatever, when he talked about like uh, explaining the, the lack of a corner stoppage in his last fight, you know, I don't think he comes to life without or comes to positions without giving them some consideration. And he's had a really interesting, unique story here. I, it's just, and I'm not saying he won't win. I, I you know, listen, the, it, these are things are very hard to predict. But I, if you had told me at the end of that fight in early mid-May that Smith would be back in late August, given what had happened, like right after it was over. I would have been very surprised to hear that. Now, again, you're right. That's sort of what he kind of does. Still, that is, I mean, from Teixeira to Rakic, that is a, that's a, that's a lot to ask is what I'm yeah, saying. That it's is a lot, lot to, to ask. ask. Do you have any other favorite fighters, Luke? You never talk about this. You never talk honestly, but that's what we do on MK. We bring um, it to You know what? I right? mostly, uh, I do have some favorite fighters, but these days, I'll be honest with you, I mostly enjoy uh, talking to coaches these days. I like talking to yeah, coaches. That's a, that's a little boring, Luke. That's a little boring. All right, I'm not saying. Yeah, it's not it doesn't. I'm not. Mind, I'm not but... saying I get the most amount of like traffic out of it, 
but I get the most amount of valuable information out of it. You you still interview fighters on your radio show, right? I'm just yeah. I'm just getting used to your radio show through my wife's car. But um, do you see? I mean, there's got to be when you see a card coming up, you see a name point out, and you're like, oh, I got to interview that person. It's going to be great. Like Mike no, Perry. Never. I just emailed the UFC. I need me some Mike Perry. All right, I I need that in my life. Yeah, I don't have the same sort of zest for that. I had Jim Miller on because that was his 35th UFC fight. We didn't even talk about him. Shout and, out to that. Yeah, great uh, And then I had Gray Maynard on, given some of the uh, sort of discussion he was having on social media about fighter pay. I think those were the only fighters I had on last week. So I'll talk to him. It's not like a thing, but okay. I don't really seek it out the way I used to. Hey, maybe this year, Luke, you and I will get back out on the road, cover a fight together, grapple, hang out with your brother. Do like Let's, let's do it, all right? Let's live our lives, okay? If, here, here's the only question that matters. If and when we get together sometime this year, which I suspect we probably will, I'm going to remain optimistic, right? It's only June. We have time. Are we going to do the grip to grip and then put it on social media? Because if we get together and we don't do it, I feel like we'd be letting people down. Well, here's the deal. We've been stuck around, you know, he's sitting on 714. We've been stuck at like 46, 48,000 subscribers on YouTube for a while. We've already put the stakes out there. Get us to 50, get us to 75, get us to 100 and you'll see maybe even gross things. I ain't gripping to grip in you unless there's something for our people to do to get there, okay? It's mm, a fair point. But I will say that that's a, probably a better option than any tip to tip or anything in that category, all right? Uh, or we, we can do the grip to grip and then we can say the photo exists, but we won't publish it until you push us over the finish line, that kind of a thing. As long as the camera doesn't have to be on my face. Like, I, you can't pick the right face for a grip to grip shot. What's the right face, Luke? I don't know. We have to figure that out in real time. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, all, right. all right, BC. Well, with that, uh, we are, we're just about done here. As a reminder, give the video a thumbs up. Hit subscribe, please. And also, we have social media uh, things to tell you about. So BC and I are on Insta. We are on Twitter. You can check those out. Uh, they're going to put the graphic up here ostensibly. And then, of course, Morning Combat is at the channel. As we mentioned, if you want to participate in the DMs for Donks, uh, from Donks, we put the post up on Instagram every Sunday, usually mid-afternoon. You can go check that out, and then the folks here at uh, Malka pick the best of them, okay? Uh, all right. Well, for my good friend, BC, we appreciate you all watching. Uh, thanks to uh, Malka and Showtime for making this possible. Of course, you want to check out Showtime, you certainly may. You can go to Showtime.com, yeah. get a free trial there. You like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. But if you keep it, you can check us out. Morning Combat Showtime, or excuse me, Morning Combat Strike Force Classics every Thursday, 10 p.m. on Showtime Extreme. BC, yeah, any parting words? On Extreme. Great documentaries on Showtime worth subscribing to. Uh, Showtime Boxing announcement coming soon. Bellator is going to make a comeback soon. We're going to have a great year, Luke, okay? Throughout all this, we're going to have a great year. Support us, and we will support you, okay? You show us ours, we will show you, <laughs> show you a lot. Believe me. All right. BC always finds a way to make it weird, which we appreciate because that's what he does. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.